0: This is the epilogue audio experience A quick disclaimer for our podcast the SOS show points discussed in this podcast should not be relied upon as conclusive medical advice in any case. the host shall not be a substitute for proper medical professional. you must seek professional help in case of any requirement Thank you. Hi guys, we are on the 98th episode of our mental health podcast, the SOS show with me, Suchita. And today we are talking about something very important, and that is childhood trauma. And how can childhood trauma impact the rest of our life, our perspective towards the world, our understanding of people? We are in conversation with Tom Michelson, who has written this very bold memoir, which is about his childhood trauma and the relationship he had with his father. I think it's very important for all of us to talk about whatever traumas we are going through especially the childhood trauma and I think this is one of my biggest takeaway that as a culture we must put this out there so that it's an, it's an open and talking about it lets it go almost 100% as was the case with Tom who is now raising his seven-year-old kid. Hi Tom, welcome to our podcast, The SOS Show and thank you for joining in and uh, thank you for sharing your lovely and very emotional book, Don't Ask Me About My Dad. And um, thank you for today's episode where I think it's going to be slightly emotional for our listeners as well when they listen to the story of yours.
1: Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be chatting to you.
0: And uh, Tom, you shared your book with me, and it is such a nice, such a interesting narrative, such an emotional narrative. And now we are sitting here, and we're going to be talking about that. But before we sort of get into the part uh, of the book. I just want to sort of tell you that a couple of things in your book just made me so happy when you were talking about your Indian friends and your Indian connection uh, and uh, your grandfather, uh, you know, naming his house after Lodi and your Indian friend, Jignesh Patel. Tell me about your Indian connection.
1: Well, my grandfather was born in India.
0: Wow. So you are an Indian half Indian. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, whatever <laughs> that makes me. Yeah, and then and then um and then it was uh oh man, I'll probably get it wrong, Nanatal Nanatal, but it was the north of India, that was where Nani- he was yeah,
0: it's Nanny it's Nani Okay, okay.
1: Nanitao. Nani and okay. um yeah, and then uh, and he he grew up in India and then he served in the British Army in mm-hmm. uh he was in Hong Kong at the time. And then actually Uh he was um, captured by the Japanese when Hong Kong fell uh, at the start of the war. And he spent Uh four years in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. But he had a Uh very, him and my grandmother had a very special relationship with India. So they kept going back and uh, they loved the country and traveled a lot around it. And I've been fortunate enough to go there on a number of occasions, oh. and um, okay. yeah, it's a it's a it's a wonderfully huge, incredibly yeah. large country with yes. so much um so much wonder in it, and um yeah. and uh, that uh, yeah, that India is a very special place.
0: Awesome. Tell me, Tom, your book is about your father playing a very special role in the book, specifically because of the violence that you went through in your childhood and uh, the dichotomy of it your love and your hate relationship with your father as you were growing yeah. it's not easy to write personal stories specifically coming from uh, a childhood that was full of violence tell me how how did you how did you pour it out how long did it take for for you to sort of get it all on paper what did you go through while you were writing
1: well i mean i wrote it pretty quickly i think Hmm. Um, Hmm. maybe in about four months however um i spent a lot of time thinking about it beforehand Mm -hmm. to the point where I thought my book's going to be 82,000 words and it was exactly 82,000 words. You know, I, I didn't make mm. a plan, but I do, ju- and I made lots of notes, but I just spent a lot of time thinking about writing it. And for me, I was a writer. I am a writer. And so mm. it was a very natural way of dealing with some of the emotions that it, 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 it brought up in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I felt that that was, that was the thing to do. And I spent a long time, I mean, up until the age of 40, I had mm. kind of buried everything that had happened when I was mm. growing up. And by that, I mean, not that I didn't know it had happened or mm. that I didn't think about it, but just that I thought about it in a kind of way, well, that was not an easy time, was it? And if I talked about it with my mom, that's kind of how we talked about it. What a crazy time it was growing up. But we wouldn't really go much further than that. And I lived so much of my life. Now I understand. Now I look back with so much turmoil going on inside that was caused Mm. certainly by what we went through as kids. Um, And so writing it, suddenly, you know, there was a whole process of kind of realization about what had happened to me, and that it actually meant something and it was not insignificant, and it had had a great effect on me. And it took me a very long time to realize that. And then when I did, because I was a writer, it felt very natural for me to just begin to write about it. And also, I'd always written stories, short stories, some fiction, some, you know, real life stories, but in newspapers in the UK, and I'd had a book published before. But this just felt like the best in in a, in a yeah. sort of it felt like the best story I'd yeah. I I could ever come up with, and it was my own story,
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: surprised me as much. But that's
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, it, I, so it was driven by the need to. Tell this story because I felt so. So it, it it was hard in some senses, but I was very sure that I wanted to write about it. And when I discovered, mm-hmm. understood what had happened, it felt like a story that really needed telling.
0: Mm-hmm. You 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 said, Tom, that it was all buried inside you for almost like forty years, and the turmoil that you felt when you wrote you literally vented it out? Did you feel lighter after that?
1: I mean, the difference, you know, (laughs) for people who didn't know me before, I think there is a very real difference in the way that I am. You know, Mm -hmm. so much of me is remains, of course, you know, I am the same person. But it really is like, you know, the metaphor is having baggage, isn't it? And carrying things. And I feel even... Even that, even the way that I stand these days and speak is taller, and I uh, I certainly feel a lot lighter now, and you know f- much more confident and happy. And it was a you know real turnaround for me for me, um, and that process of being able to do that was uh, was uh, incredibly useful for me.
0: Yeah, tell me, Dom. You're talking about domestic violence, which is a very prominent part of your childhood, and the violence that was inflicted by your father on your mother, and the impact that it had on your sisters. Uh, You have uh, three sisters.
1: Domestic violence, triplets, Uh, identical triplets, triplets, yes,
0: identical (laughs) triplet sisters, yes. And uh, you know, domestic violence is something which is a very prominent part. Of a lot of people's childhood, which is in yeah. India, which is abroad. I'm very surprised that people don't talk about it, you know. Uh, so this this book becomes very special because there's someone who is opening and you know, releasing that thing that has been inside for a long time. So when we talk about domestic violence and we talk about A, not talking about it, what is the kind of response so far when the book has got released? Uh uh, do you see people becoming more forthcoming and talking and calling or writing to you?
1: It's incredible. You know, as soon as mm. I mean, I lived all my life not really having these types of conversations, yeah. you know, deep emotional conversations that really mean things. And now the book is out there. I've been blown away by the response uh, and how yeah. much that opens people with similar experiences want to share it because it's a, it's, you know, if I'm making myself available to talk about it, I want to, I want to tell that story and it connects with a lot of people and it's, it's hard to have those conversations though, isn't it Uh, from our past? Because I mean, certainly for my, why didn't I speak before? Because it was too painful and I didn't understand it. Yes. And where do you start that conversation? And also, you feel slightly. You, well, I felt a lot of shame about it. I didn't want my family to come from that background, sure. so I kept quiet. You know, I kept quiet yeah. about our relative. Uh, um, you know, we were poor relatively. You know, we we uh, we were fortunate in lots of ways, but we we didn't have any yeah. money. Um, and I felt shame about it, and I felt shame. And I also about my dad's behaviour, and I also felt loyal to him. You know, how could I tell his secrets, tell his dark story, because I would be betraying my dad. And you know, no one spoke about it. My mum didn't really talk about it. Um, It was our sort of secret shame that went on inside the walls of our house. And you know, the thing is that when some of those violent incidences from my past spilled out onto the street yeah. what i mean by that is you know my mum would run out of the house my dad would drag her back by yes. her hair or, or, or you know whatever it whatever way um people and this was in the 1980s i think attitudes in the uk have changed uh, a little yeah. bit but um yeah but our neighbors would see you know they would see that and uh, sometimes the police would be called, so sometimes people would act, but more often than not, they would watch from their windows, yeah, um, like it was theatre, you know. Um, yeah. And so everywhere I looked, people were quiet. People, um, people didn't speak out. They saw yes. what happened, and um, and I think it's mixed. Yeah, you know, loyalty to my dad, but also but also real sort of shame about what was happening and just too complicated and too difficult for a child to work out and understand where to begin to start sharing that story.
0: Yes, yes. Tom, so I'm going to come back to these two words, quiet and uh, shame in a, mm. in a moment. But before that, now you're a father yourself. Uh, you have yeah. a son and uh, and he's growing up. Tell me, how do you feel as a father coming from a from a very tumultuous childhood? Now you have to take care of your son. Do you feel vacuum areas of your life, in your life right now, where you feel you are struggling with because of the trauma that you went through?
1: I don't feel that I struggle with it, in all honesty. I mean, there are... I feel, you know, confronting it, writing about it in this book has released so much of that turmoil that I talked about. Um, For a long time, though, I couldn't really contemplate having a kid because I think that Mm. my association with childhood was one of pain and sadness. And so the idea, without deconstructing what happened, Yes. The idea of having my own child just filled me with sadness, and I didn't know why. So I just thought, well, it's best not to do it. (laughs) And um, but you know, slowly I kind of softened in some ways, and I, you know, I, I met someone, I fell in love with her, and we decided to have a child. And actually, I found it liberating and wonderful, and i felt very confident as a parent um Mm. perhaps strangely but in a way i look at it like i wanted to i knew exactly what he needed because it was sort of the things that i hadn't had and i and so it's been a real pleasure just to be able to give him that we have an amazing relationship you know (laughs) it, it feels really close and i've done a lot of taking, you know, the, the, the job of taking care of him, but certainly when he was small, he's seven now. Mm-hmm. But, um, I you know, it really feels, I saw, so I mean, part of how I kind of realized everything that had happened to me or maybe that it had had a bad effect on me uh, yeah. was looking at it through his eyes because suddenly I could see this child who was four years old and the innocence and the purity in a child that age. And I started to think to myself, well, what if he had seen the things that I had seen? And what if the things that had occurred to me had happened to him? Yeah. And of course I was sort of horrified by that thought and I could see and understand the enormous effect that that would have on yeah. his character. Yeah. Um, and when I saw that, that really helped me to understand my own past. And yeah. um, it very much feels like sort of through my own son, I've kind of repaired myself a bit, you know, just mm. just yeah. given him what I didn't have. And it's yeah. been an absolute joy, really. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, that's, that's lovely. Through your son, you repaired yourself. I think it's such a beautiful thing to say, don't tell me. Parents are somebody children, of course, totally rely on. And suddenly, you have one of your parents, um, you know, abusing uh, you, your family, your mother. You mentioned this in the book as well that you know you lost lost trust, uh, or you know, with everyone around you. You you couldn't trust uh, anyone around you because, of course, you couldn't trust the closest person. Uh, you know, who's, uh, who ideally, you know, should, yep. you should trust. So when you lose trust, your basic need for existence or for human connection is trust. When yep. you lose trust in your parent, how was your, how was your child, your adult, your, uh, adulthood like when you were in your teens? How, how did you feel about life and about people and your friends and, uh, and about, you know, about general living, what is your character like?
1: Well, well I, I grew up very secretive. Mm. So, you know, I, 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 the, the secrets of our house, you know, were kept by me. And so I was very wary to this day. I still edit what I say to people in my head before I say it, you know, but in a very strong way. Um, I Mm. just to, so I think I was wary of people. Mm. I was defensive, you know, I I didn't want to let anyone in. And then also I didn't want anyone to see the real me because Mm. I didn't know what the real me was, but I didn't want anyone to go anywhere near it because if they did, they would sort of see the shame of my house and they would find everything. So I absolutely put up an act, I think, as I grew older to keep people away, you know, like I developed a character that was me, parts of me, and yeah. I developed a character to to stop those awkward questions, to keep people at a distance. And all this is without understanding it, just, just naturally. I just this is just what I did. Of course, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I feel, I think that it just made me very on edge. But the other thing it did was that it made me constantly seek Peace. Um, you know, I, I constantly wanted to placate any confrontation, or you know, people be getting angry would make me scared. Uh, you know, like even sort of good, healthy anger, you know, would would trouble me a lot. And as a yeah. kid and as an adult, and I constantly wanted to make everything okay because that was my job as a kid when the violence erupted. I would try and calm my dad down. I would, you know, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, I would try and placate him. Or, And I was constantly aware that in our house, that at any moment, you know, violence would erupt and the world would fall to pieces and it would be destruction. So I yeah. was constantly on edge waiting for that. And even when I was removed, you know, I, I removed myself from the family home as an adult well, we got out. My mum left eventually after, you know, when I was 15. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I sort of constantly wanted to make things okay. Um. So I think I. So I think that was the other effect, you know. So the mistrust and defensiveness, but also this need to make everything okay all the time. Which was and it was exhausting. It was, you know, a really exhausting yeah. way to live. Yeah, all that yeah. going on, whir- it, it feels like a whirl. You know, like inside my, if I think back yeah. to it, I was never. I had a lot of nervous energy. Um, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anxiety nervous know, energy. An
1: yeah. I think it physically <coughs> affected me now as well because, <coughs> you know, I know I can see the difference in myself. But I was a little bit kind of hunched over, and I was very thin. You know, and I I protected myself. I held myself slightly. I held myself a lot of the time. Yes. Um, And, you know, physically I was often touching myself, you know, just holding my arms or twiddling my thumbs like this or, you know, so it kind of I think just physically it had a a real effect on the way I held myself.
0: Mm -hmm. Did that mistrust which you had, uh, spill into your relationships you you have written a lot about your relationships later on um uh, and your friendships did that did that spill in those areas and also in your professional life
1: yeah well I think in my perfect I mean first of all in my professional life I mean I never had a job where I worked for someone you know like I couldn't and I, I I didn't understand it at the time. I just thought, well, I have to make my own way and I have to do everything myself. And I didn't, you know, the last thing I wanted was someone in authority telling me what to do in any way. It mm. made me feel physically sick. You know, even if I had a, you know, if I'd worked for a couple of days in an office as a temp or something very early on in my adult life, you know, I would, I would almost shake with nervousness about, that dynamic of having someone you know and so so that had obviously a huge effect on me I had to sort of strike out on my own and make my own career without any sort of structure or basis so professionally it did you know it's wonderful I've had amazing friends in my life and they've become incredible friends now you know like Mm. that moment of Showing themselves, showing myself to them, saying, "This is yes. who I really am. This is what happened." Yeah. I think a, for a lot of people, a lot of my close friends, it kind of filled in a lot of dots, so they understood me suddenly a lot more. Um, but also, just showing yourself as a person and saying, "This is who I am," wasn't perfect. This is my story. I haven't always behaved well, but I'm, you know, this is who I am. Um, has I've been able to do that recently, in the last few years, and you know my friendships have grown in strength because of that. And mm. and I think with relationships, romantic relationships, I think that I I kind of <laughs> looked for um, women that you know sometimes uh, I wanted kind of I felt like I connected with people that were quite troubled themselves, mm. I was troubled, you know, and, and I feel like that yeah. trouble, sometimes that trouble uh, it kind of made everything quite exciting, you know, like it kind of it felt big. And, and, you know, when you connect with someone who perhaps has their own trauma of the past, um, that's not resolved, it kind of created a lot of fireworks. And I think I kind of sought that on a level, you know, so I had You know, not I had a a couple of relationships and they were uh, they were three or four relationships and they were quite fiery and lots of arguments, and you know, and I think also you obviously, you know, you, you know, that turmoil going inside has to come out somehow and it comes out with the person that perhaps you're closest to, yes. So, so I, so, so you know, they were they were in many ways there were wonderful relationships with lots of high points, but also real low points of real upset and being, you know, really feeling really betrayed. And also, you know, I think I was presenting, you know, I wasn't presenting who I was to that person. So I was inventing a character and I was saying, have a relationship with this character. And then if they give you love, you kind of doubt it because you think, well, you're not loving me you're loving the character. So, I mean, it's, it's really complicated. Um, Yeah. But uh, no, I think it, you know, the short answer is uh, it made relationships quite difficult.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Tell me Tom violence from it's something that, like I said, a lot of kids witness on a regular basis Have you analyzed now you being a writer, you being a father yourself? Have you thought that why, why was there so much violence in my father? Why did he behave so irrationally? Why did he sort of, you know, beat the, you know, beat your mom or uh, demand certain kind of dinner, um, thrash you unreasonably? Did you guys ever discuss or talk about it? Did you think that perhaps he needs therapy?
1: No, I mean, where we came from, like the idea of therapy. In fact, I remember my dad talking about therapy, and therapy was for losers, you know, for idiots, Mm -hmm. people that were weak. You know, that was my dad's attitude. Therapy wasn't on the cards. I mean, we didn't have the money for it anyway, but he, and also a lot, you know, he didn't realize he had a problem. You know, he Mm -hmm. was so caught up Mm -hmm. in whatever was going on that. You know i think at certain times you know when my mum tried to escape and a couple of times she got out i think that you know part of him trying to get her back and he often did was he would promise to change or to i think he had did promise on a couple of occasions to speak to someone
0: Mm. um
1: but you know the where i came from in essex you know the the i think he did once go to someone as part Mm. of trying to get my mum back you know for two or three sessions and yeah but you know the guy that was the therapist, I think ended up in—he's um, dead now. I know this. So, uh, but it, but he ended up in um, uh, in prison at one point for for abusing his uh, um, patients. You know, like so. I do. Um, all I mean is that everywhere we looked, kind of the world seemed really bad. You know, it seemed sort mm-hmm. of full of full of yeah. people that will let you down. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I couldn't ever talk to him about it. I don't know why he was the way he was. I know though that through bits of conversation that either my grandmother had with my mum or some bits that I did talk to my dad about, um, I know that his dad hit his mum. and sometimes, and I, I think it they were rare occasions, but I know it did happen. And so I think obviously he saw that kind of behavior. So, Mm -hmm. and I think it is possible ago, although I don't know through things that my dad said that his mum was particularly cruel to him. Mm -hmm. You know, she loved him a lot, I think, but she also punished him in, you know, unspeakable ways with sort of beatings Mm -hmm. and and quite, I think she humiliated him in lots of ways. And certainly Mm -hmm. as he grew up, his anger was, mostly directed at women you know he was he um he never really hit me uh it was always yeah. my mum. and then as my sisters grew up he hit my sisters yeah. and he was yeah. horrible to them and you know just just you know they were his daughters and they were lovely little girls and he was incredibly mean and spiteful yeah. to them and i think he had a particular hatred of women and i don't know where mm-hmm. that came from but perhaps Perhaps something mm-hmm. to do with the way his mum treated him, what he saw mm. when he grew up. He was mm. horrifically angry. I mean, you know, you, you know, obviously, but but um, he was f- furious, you know, and mm-hmm. and it would erupt, and it was like nothing I've ever seen since, you know. Yeah,
0: hating women. You, you know, do you think because as we're talking about violence? And because you have a certain amount of intellect, as you've written the book, we talk about violence, when it comes from men, do you think, as you mentioned, the point that hating women is something that somehow penetrates the psyche of a man? Could it be due to uh, the pressure or responsibility that comes with becoming a father, Like, like your father had to raise three daughters and one son and three daughters Culturally, is considered a huge responsibility. Uh, there's a gender thing there. Do you think if we penetrate deeper into that aspect, the cultural aspect, the way the society perceives things, uh, puts a lot of pressure on man to uh, take care of the family and says that uh, having girls is added responsibility, could that be the reason of him being violent at various points? Could that be the reason of men being violent generally with their... Families.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think my mum used to think mm. when it started after they married. You know, they were young yeah. when they got married. Of course, yeah. My mum was twenty-one. My dad yes. was twenty-four. And then the yeah. the the my triplet sisters, identical triplet sisters, were born yeah. very soon after they got married. So he was a yes. father, you know, living in a council house in yeah. Essex with yeah. a wife three kids and he was a young, immature man. Correct. So yeah. I think that brings all sorts of, uh, yeah, it's a huge responsibility, but fear, you know, yeah. I think he was scared of it. I think he didn't want it. I think, you know, it built resentment and I think yes. all of those things can add to the pressure that, um, that someone feels obviously. yeah. But, but of course, it's no, there is no excuse of ever for it. And yeah. I think, you know, and also you, you only have to think that there are men back at the time mm. that my sisters were born who were yeah. also, you know, had a family, had, a, had <laughs> yeah. those responsibilities, had the pressures that, you know, it's a little bit different now. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, things are shared more equally in the, the world today between men and women to some yeah. extent. But yeah. even back then, you know, there were men that were able to take the responsibility uh, of a family life, bills to pay, even if they're not particularly good at those things and don't turn yeah. towards violence. So I, I certainly think those things added pressure and I think that probably made him drink because he also drank alcohol a lot. Yes. He's an alcoholic, I think. And I think yeah. probably to escape to escape some of those pressures he felt, he drank, and the drink exacerbated his natural tendencies towards violence, which perhaps had been kind of, you know, taught to him at an early age. Maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that if he would have spoken to someone openly, you know, perhaps he would be less violent? Do you see that there is a gap? in human relationships, when it comes to connecting more and speaking more and the trust factor somewhere keeps going down and down and down. And that leads to a lot of things, including domestic violence. Do you think that we can tackle this better now?
1: Well, I think that, you know, uh, sort of anger, wherever that comes from, and I'm talking not, not kind of good anger but but um you know this kind of furious anger that spills over into violence and screaming yes yeah i think that you know we look at we look at other problems in the world like drug addiction or you know and we we seek to treat it don't we 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 kind of there are treatment centers you know we understand what alcoholism is we know that people need help and they're not trying to necessarily destroy everything but they're deeply unhappy and perhaps yes. if we looked at anger in the same way as something yeah. that could be treated you know maybe that is that is the answer and i can't say whether i mean the, pro- the problem is i think when you are that angry and you you commit so many heinous acts Yes, you know that you are yeah. full of your own shame too at, yeah. at behaving like that, and I yeah. think that it's very hard to then hold your hands up and go, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I, you know, beat my wife, but I want to yeah. get better. I'm so angry. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from. Please help me," because you know he denied ever doing it. You know, to, to, yes, to, to, yes, he never ever, yeah said that's what I did. I once had a confrontation with him and he denied it. He just yes. couldn't take it on. He couldn't take he couldn't own up to it. He couldn't take the responsibility because I think if he had have taken that responsibility, it would have been too painful for him. You know, he kind of destroyed his family. He behaved appallingly. Yeah. So I think like he would have had to take all that on and he wasn't ready to do that. But I do think yeah. it's an interesting idea that you might be able to treat anger and violence yeah. you know as as you would with an illness in a way
0: Yeah, yeah
1: so it is yeah. possible i think that he could have been unwound at some point but i think that or you know come to understand what he'd done but he was too deep into the hole the more things you do the more badly you behave yeah who can hold their hands up and just go yeah it was all me and i've yeah. i've sort of wrought destruction
0: yeah, I think I think we don't pay attention to anger and violence even now. Uh, we take it too much for granted as a society, and we think, okay, something's happening in the neighborhood; it's their problem, not my problem. Yet. Yeah, I think, I think we, we, as a society, not just not just in a specific part of the world. I think it's it's everywhere in every part of the world. This rules, and uh, I think even now, it's not just 1980s; it's now, now. Like I witnessed it like yesterday night. Across my house, you know, so yeah. it, we do not take this seriously. Anger and violence that happens in families, I think, specifically coming from a man. You you mentioned this. There's another very interesting point you mentioned in your book, Tom the 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 Sean Connery incident. You mentioned yeah. that Sean Connery was discussing uh, on national TV um, domestic abuse, and which she He said that hitting a woman was uh, acceptable because women are pretty good at provoking a situation. He said it's okay to hit a woman uh, after a point because you can't discuss anything with a woman because, like, even your father mentioned that you know women are stupid, you know. So, of course, uh, it's okay to provoking a situation. Do you think that, of course, having gone through understanding the psyche of women better now? Yes, that, that is a point that's right when he says that women are good at provoking a situation?
1: No, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. uh, no, look, I mean, but I, I don't see it in any gendered way at all. You, you uh-huh. know, like people, people can have their, you know, their fights, their arguments, their views, their opinions. Mm-hmm. But violence has to be wrong, doesn't it? You know, like if someone... The idea of a woman provoking a man into violence...
0: Uh, What I'm trying to ask... What I'm trying to sort of just underline here is that at times the violence is not just a one-sided thing. Uh, It could have been something that could have been perhaps uh, 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 unknowingly being provoked by the other gender, uh, which... So, which is, which also means that we uh, perhaps do not understand each other too well to say the right things in the right situation.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true that, that um, you know, that that, that that can easily happen and how can we ever know the right thing necessarily yes. to say? And, you know, yeah. um, but the idea that that, I mean that's that would be the that sort of the suppression of women isn't it the idea that mm. men can provoke women can provoke but then when women yeah. provoke there is an yeah. ultimate punishment for it you know while yeah. the man can provoke i mean my you know my mum my mum certainly didn't provoke my dad and he he looked for i mean she could have done anything and he would find provocation in it yes yeah. You know, she could make a cup of tea and he would think that mm. she'd looked at him in the wrong way. Yeah. So, so that's why, I mean, that's why you have to be so clear that, like, violence in a domestic situation, I mean, yeah. You know, I'm not a total pacifist. I understand that violence happens yeah. and sometimes it is needed, you know, that, but I, yeah. But certainly in that domestic situation the idea that someone would provoke someone you take responsibility for yourself and yeah you know you don't have to unleash forces of violence to
0: yeah to, there are ways you know, to it, combat it and not
1: yeah of course you know you it, it's almost pathetic really isn't it to yeah, the idea that is. someone if you look at it like this that someone provokes you by saying something yeah. Behaving in a certain way that makes you, you know, as a man, not able to control yourself.
0: Yeah,
1: it's pathetic. It's, yeah. yeah. you know, um, how but, less but, you know, tolerant it, it,
0: are we? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, but it, but it is extraordinary, and like that's at the time the Sean Connery thing when he said that. Yeah, it was challenged by the interviewer at the time, but only in a yes. sort of. You know, she did ask him about it. It was uh, Barbara Walters, the American journalist. She did uh, push him on it, but he just um, buckled down and uh, repeated his views. And the idea was that then, you know, he then went on to continue his success as an actor, and he, he wasn't challenged on it again. You know, it was just mm. sort of something that that was the, the view back then. Certainly in England, was a gent, you know, a man's a man's home is his castle. And he can do mm. what he wants in his own domain. And even the police, when they were called to our house, uh, yeah. it was always, I think it was called a, a, a breach of the peace.
0: Mm. Mm. You know, that
1: the, mm. the, 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 uh, the, someone would hear the screaming and the neighbor would call the police and it would be a breach of the peace. It wouldn't be domestic yeah. violence. It wouldn't be assault or ABH or GBH, you know, grievous bodily harm. Or, it would be... It would be breaking the peace. You know, that that was the law at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: People, you know, and the police just said, well, that's your business, really. What goes on in your house?
0: That's what it's still there. It's still there. Yeah.
1: And that's what I've also learned. You know, you started at the beginning of this chat saying, have people told you about, you know, shared their own experiences of difficult times? And absolutely they have. But also, what's really has really surprised me is how many people have talked to me about the, uh, the violence in their own home. Yeah. You know, an incredible amount. So you, yes. you know, you talked about how widespread this thing is. And, and I th- I feel like when we had lockdown in the UK, all the calls to the police and calls to, uh, helplines about domestic abuse went through the roof Um, because obviously people were trapped with their,
0: um,
1: the perpetrators of it. So, but it's so widespread. And even the, 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 the experience that I've had of just sharing this story, it has shocked me how many people said, well, something happened, you know, similar, not the same, but in my own house, you know, my father was violent sometimes, or he hurt my brother or he hurt my, you know, that. it's so widespread and I kind of, I've been really shocked by, it's really brought it home to me how many people have situations like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have mentioned about your uh, triplet sisters, Tom, in the book. Um, I'm just curious to know what do they do now? Where are they? And um, also you mentioned about how, because of the violence in the house, they got to drinking very early on in their life. And they were living separately. Uh, tell me tell me about them.
1: Well, for a long time, so they're triplets, born in 1969. So, mm-hmm. no, it was a natural birth and they're identical. Um, so, it's mm-hmm. a one in a million chance. And they were yeah. very, very, and still are to this day. They're older than me, about eight years older. And yeah. still to this day, they are, um, you know, like an like a unit together they speak and see each other all the time um and two of them actually live together and Mm -hmm. the other one visits really frequently Mm -hmm. Um, and they you know they had enormous difficulties which i didn't understand then they were addicted to drink self-harm bulimia you know eating disorders Sort of almost you name it, they had that, those issues. And mm. at the time, without examining the effect that it yeah. had had on me, all that I really, they were, they, you know, and they also weren't very nice to me as we grew up in this house. And I understand yeah. it now. They were angry and they were, they sort of saw me as the one that my dad loved. And, you know, he did give me more love than them. And I can imagine that that was awful for them. You know, why aren't mm. they loved by their dad? And But all that served to do is it just drove us apart. So why we never totally fell out, we didn't have a relationship. And they got out when they were about 18, 19. They didn't work. They struggled in their lives. Um, and we drifted apart. And there was nothing, Mm. you know, I was angry with them for behaving that way. I was angry because I felt I chose to, but I was saddled with my dad, this difficult man. I felt he was my responsibility and I Mm. couldn't see why they couldn't take some of it on, you know. And I think it Mm. drove a bit of a wedge between my mum and them too. And I thought when my mum was ill at some point, she's better now, but, you know, they didn't come to see her. And I was just Mm. angry and upset with them and I didn't understand it. And part of the realization that I had, you know, once I could connect with all the pain that I had felt and yeah. what had happened to me, I could then see, I could feel compassion for them and understand it. And as soon as I did that, um, you know, I started writing the book. I went to talk to them about it for the first time about what had happened to us as kids, about mm-hmm. the fact that I'd written the book, they read it immediately. And rather than I thought they would be, you know, snipey, angry with me for sharing these things. Yeah. It's not an easy yeah. book on them, you know. They, but instead, they sort of said that they had never understood it that way, what had happened. And it had really made them see their own lives differently and understand their own problems and our relationship. And since I've written the book, we have become closer. And we speak and we spent christmas together and that's never you know and it's all that tension disappeared through speaking about it writing about it
0: mm, it's mm. incredible
1: you know yeah. how so, it was fixed like that
0: yeah and it was just so the speaking, act of yeah.
1: acknowledging what happened yeah and said this happened it's our story it's my, my i'm telling my story it's your story too you're part of it and i don't you know and i love them and i don't blame them for anything and we had a, a, you know, a very bad dad who did a lot of damage, and but actually understanding that has really helped us, which has been a wonderful mm-hmm. part of the story, really mm-hmm.
0: for me. I think I think that's a great, great, great takeaway for our listeners. Just understanding the situation, communicating and talking about it, and uh, perhaps more laws to be made to reduce domestic violence can really, really help in... I think so. And I think just when you
1: talk about it and you get it out there, I mean, I have, you know, I was on some level worried about it at the start, but all I have been met with from sharing this story is understanding and love. Mm.
0: Lovely. Lovely. Great. Understanding and love is what you've met. So people out there are identifying because, of course, it's a very prevalent issue and something that needs to be tackled by society at large. Yes, great. Tom, thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate you sharing yourself with me.
1: It's been really lovely to talk to you. Uh, Thank you very much for having me.
0: Do you guys have any stories of childhood trauma that you would like to share? Would you like to connect with us and talk more about it? We are open Do connect to us on our twitter our instagram handles the sos show pod you can also find me on linkedin